You're listening to the Quince podcast. The Pegasus spyware is under the spotlight again with an investigative report by the New York Times published on Friday, 28 January, which claims that the Indian government purchased the controversial cyber weapon, as the NYT puts it, in 2017 as part of a larger arms deal with Israel. The NYT report states that the two countries agreed on the sale of the spyware in part of a weapons and intelligence deal worth roughly $2 billion in July 2017 when PM Modi visited Israel. It also notes that since this visit, India's stance on some of its policies like commitment to the Palestinian cause changed, citing India's vote in support of Israel at the UN Economic and Social Council to deny observer status to a Palestinian human rights organization. And this development is big because till now neither the Indian government nor the Israeli government have openly confirmed or denied the sale of the software to India, something which the Israeli Defense Ministry would have had to give a license for even though it was made by a private entity. The centre has to date also refused to take a clear stand in court or in parliament on whether it has acquired or used the spyware. The revelations in the New York Times are of particular interest after reports by a consortium of media organisations around the world in July 2021, the Pegasus project reported of its use. These reports were based on a list of potential targets of the spyware, some of which were confirmed by forensic analysis. In India, the list of potential targets included prominent politicians, an election commissioner, 40 Indian journalists and several private citizens. Independent forensic analysis has also been able to confirm the presence of the spyware on the phones of several of these targets. The opposition has also lashed out against the centre now, with senior Congress leader Rahul Gandhi, who was reportedly one of the targets of the spyware, saying that the government has committed an act of treason. So, how damaging are the revelations of this New York Times report? How will it fare in court? And how will this change the probe into the use of the spyware? To unpack this, I'm joined today by Vakasha Sazdev, the Quinn's legal editor. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Emmat. So, Vakasha, I first wanted to ask if you could re-enlighten us on why Pegasus made such a big noise. Like, exactly what does it do to a smartphone? And also, where is the probe by the Supreme Court uh, at the moment? Right. So, basically... The reason why Pegasus is such a dangerous thing, I think um, one of the interesting things is the coverage of Pegasus from 2019 till now has actually all been very good in terms of being able to point this out. Is that Pegasus is uh, supposed to be a tool for helping uh, governments take on terrorism, big security risks, you know, like genuine, like, you know, organized crime and all. That's what, you know, NSO advertised for. That's what it's supposed to be able to do. That was what its main use Mm -hmm. is. Um, I think if you read the New York Times article, they've actually pointed out some cases where that has been used. So, for instance, in taking down El Chapo, this guy in New Mexico, very prominent like uh, drug cartel runner. So that's the that was that is what its intended objective is supposed to be. The reason why Pegasus revelations keep making a you know the become a big deal is because it's found that this is being used against people who do not fit within that category. You know, I mean. Um, mm-hmm. uh, okay, the state is claiming people like some of the Bhima Koriga accused against whom it's been used are actually terrorists. So, I mean, on some level, you can say, okay, maybe there's a logic there, right? But then it's been used against a whole set mm-hmm. of other journalists, like, you know, Paranjal Guha Thakurta, who's just basically someone who the government doesn't like. There's no criminal 
he's not part of some organized criminal gang. There's no accusation that he's involved in terrorism. And yet it's been used against him or it's been used against opposition mm-hmm. leaders. I mean, that was one of, that was one of the huge things, right? The numbers which were used by Rahul Gandhi yeah. were being targeted were on that potential snoop list. Uh, Ashok Lavasa, an election commission officer. You know, these are people against whom there's not even the possible argument that they're, that, that you know, they're, um, that they're terrorists or organized criminals. And the usage of Pegasus against them is, is being highlighted as a problem because this isn't just some benign kind of thing where, you know, you're, oh, you're just tracking where a mobile location is, which is also, by the way, illegal. But, you know, at least there is, you could say, you mm-hmm. know what, if they're just tracking someone's location, that's not the end of the world. But what Pegasus does is, it gives you control of a person's phone's camera, its microphone, and its whole file system. So not only are you able to see everything which is on the phone, you can actually manipulate that, which is, you know, sort of the big uh, big concern with it, and which is something which we'll return to in a bit, um, in, in, you know, when we're looking at some of the other issues. Uh, because So this is why Pegasus has been a big scare. One, the capabilities of what it does. Two, um, the kind of people it's been used to target. And three, uh, I guess one other thing much one can point out is again that it's also like, you know, it's, it's such a dangerously in, insidious thing is that it doesn't, you know, many other forms of malware require you to actually click on the link. Whereas Pegasus's whole, uh, it's mm-hmm. big, uh, you know, USP is zero click exploits for, uh, you know, phones and stuff. So and these are the reasons why Pegasus, when, mm-hmm. when revelations come to light, this is why they're a big deal. You know, I mean, they're not just, this is not just like the old, like old school phone tapping or you know, someone checking the CVR mm-hmm. records of your mobile to see where you were at a particular point. This is something like what you see in a James Bond movie or like a Jason Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, and, and worse, right? I mean, they're, they're still supposed to be vaguely accountable because they're a government mm-hmm. thing. You know, this is like, I don't know if you saw the very, very bad Batman versus Superman movie. Yeah. <laughs> Have a thing where Batman clones and goons phone, which at that time yeah. you're like, oh, Batman's doing it, so it's fine. But I mean, he's a vigilante, number one, and what he's mm-hmm. doing is deeply invasive of that other person's scrutiny. But at least that he's, he's doing it for a guy who's a, like, you see the guy's a murderer and a criminal and a, <laughs> and a gang. Yeah. Which, by the way, still, when it comes to the law, doesn't mean that this can be done, but you know, at least, you know, there's a reason why people will yeah, not get There's a reason he's a fiction character, yeah. Yeah, and there's a reason that's a fictional thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of where the Supreme Court is, um, I think so. They had conducted those hearings, as you remember, back uh, towards the end of October and then uh, November. Uh, mm. Actually, they'd gone on for, for quite a while, those hearings, as, as you might remember. And the thing is, the committee which was set up, the idea uh, is that they're supposed to try and do a full technical analysis. They are currently taking, so they're at uh, the stage right now where they've asked. Um, people who believe their phones were compromised using Pegasus to submit their phones for analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit of, there's some bit of debate over whether people should really have to submit the phones as a whole or whether they should just be able to like submit it, have an image taken and then take it, take it back. But I mean, that's sort of where the committee is. That's what they've publicly said they're doing right now. In addition, they've also been taking uh, expert evidence. So I think you might've seen there's a report in the Indian Express about mm-hmm. them taking expert evidence and affidavit. Uh, this includes, uh, these are affidavits which to be, I mean, these are, uh, have a, were already submitted as part of uh, the petitions to the Supreme Court. So um, <clears throat> there were a few, so Jagdeep Chokar had submitted an aff, uh, had submitted a petition. Uh, uh, then there was, I think, another one, one of the ones which was filed by SNM Abdi and all. So as part of these things, they had all uh, been filing, uh, they'd asked for experts to support their petitions. And these aff- and affidavits had been filed by these experts already with the Supreme Court. 
So mm-hmm. those affidavits have been handed over, and I think further some maybe some more expert evidence from these same experts has been given over to um, to the committee. And these mm-hmm. are people who are India's leading um, sort of cybersecurity experts. So uh, one would hope that the committee is going to take it take it seriously. I mean, one of the interesting things, you know, which we were looking into when the committee was formed was how these people were those who you might have wanted to actually be on the Supreme Court's technical committee, but because they'd already you know, given in expert evidence, they couldn't be asked to be on the committee. So yep. that's sort of where we are with that right now. I mean, we've gone along. I don't know if, I mean, one of the things was the court had at that point said they want a report from the committee, uh, you know, within eight weeks. Um, and we've gone long past that deadline. I yep. mean, I'm not, and we don't know whether the committee has been sending reports and what they've done. Have they been asking for extensions of time? No, we don't know at this, at this stage. Uh, but I mean, it looks like obviously the committee is doing its job at this point. It's unfortunately a long process, but that's sort of where we are. The court will, I guess, take it up once they have a report. Okay. So now moving to the New York Times report as well, which came out on Friday, Mm -hmm. which basically has uncovered that India did, uh, purchase this spyware from Israel in July, 2017 as part of this, uh, gigantic $2 billion arms and intelligence deal. And like when yeah. Prime Minister Narendra Modi basically went to Israel for the first time, being the first Prime Minister, Indian Prime Minister to visit Israel. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, now we have these revelations from New York Times. Legally, how damaging or how damning are they when it comes to this probe? So I think the, the big, so sort of one thing to remember is that legally speaking, uh, these reports on in themselves can't act as proof, right? I mean, so the thing mm-hmm. is, the courts do take up issues based on what they see in the media. That's one of the ways in which PILs get taken up or, you know, Suomoto cognizance is taken by the courts. But in terms of being able to legally prove that something's happened, you can't just rely on a media report. Now, if the authors of the New York Times report are able to, you know, maybe speak to their sources those sources are willing to file affidavits with the supreme court now that could become evidence so that mm. is something which can be explored i guess by uh, some of these petitioners it can be explored you know to, to actually try and get those sources who have provided this information to um to provide statements on the record now if that were the case then that becomes sort of legal proof if when that's not the case does that mean that these revelations are irrelevant well no obviously not um but I mean, in terms of yes, the legal values is a little bit difficult. What might be interesting to see is how the Supreme Court treats this now sort of, you know, it, it's repeated confirmation in the media, right, about these issues, mm-hmm. and whether they're going to now use this um, as we go forward with the government's unwillingness to provide an answer. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, one of the issues which the court, the Supreme Court itself, highlighted in its order when it set up the creation of this committee was they pointed out and this had gone on for like over a month they kept asking the the, the central government can yep. you submit an affidavit that you the, whether you did or you didn't just put that on affidavit and tell us now they kept asking this from the government and the government kept refusing they said even denying it would be a problem which was i mean <laughs> i think everyone knows what that means yeah. but the question is is there a point when you can start to draw adverse inferences now in a civil court, if you go by, if you go through the process down there, then there is a stage where you start to be able to, when you're doing evidence taking, if there's this kind of situation, you can start to draw adverse inferences, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the Supreme Court is in a slightly tricky situation because it's not a, a court of fact finding per se, unless it sets up a commission of inquiry. So they can't quite draw those inferences themselves. 
but they have said that they kind of want the committee which they've set up to, to start to look into some of this stuff. So it is possible that, uh, you know, the committee in its interactions with the central government can bring this up and say, look, this is there, this is there, this is there. The, you know, mm-hmm. we have the fact that the NSO has previously clarified they only sent to governments. It has to be done through an Israeli license, etc., etc., etc. Here are the license conditions. Therefore, are you going to give us an answer now or not? And once the commission, now the, you know, the technical committee has got that and is asking these questions and it then receives further lack of answer from the central government, then you reach a stage where adverse inferences can perhaps be drawn. But legally speaking, I mean, this is still, as I said, until and unless, uh, you know, one's able to actually get sort of affidavits uh, from, you know, maybe these sources who've spoken to the New York Times or even maybe the New York Times journalists might be willing to, I mean, it's, it's, it's a stretch, but, you know, if they were willing to kind of speak about this and all. Um, affidavits from them could now start, could then have a greater legal effect. But I think the main thing is this definitely raises the, the thing for the Supreme Court to start being more serious about the center's unwillingness to respond. And it's, you know, something which should be driving the committee on to, to insist that they want answers. And, you know, the Supreme Court had, se- had said in its order that, you know, they will make sure they drill down to what has to be answered and they will press the government to answer mm-hmm. those things that unless and until it's absolutely you know that if it's and they said that you know if you're going to claim national security then you're going to have to back up that you can't just say yeah. oh it's national security so we can't give an answer to explain why it's a national security issue which can't be answered mm-hmm. so you know the more you get these kind of uh, reports coming out in the press they will certainly help the court's position in asking those questions and the committee's position in asking those questions so mm-hmm. i think that's sort of the most value we can look at in terms of this in the legal process okay but i mean obviously in terms of the revelation itself i mean it's, it's huge because we i mean we've suspected it we mm-hmm. believed it but this is you know your stuff i mean this is a reputed news organization it's, it doesn't just put out information on this without the confirmation uh, yeah. this isn't by the way even like a story specifically about india so i mean this all this nonsense which as usual you know general vk singh and other you know the bucks on, on, on twitter have mm-hmm. already started uh, with saying, oh, this is Safari Media and all of that, and oh, they're trying to tarnish the, <laughs> you know, India's monsoon, yeah. India's budget session, which is just, I mean, it's the dumbest thing you could ever think of mm-hmm. as an objection. But that kind of stuff, I mean, is combated by the fact that this is actually more an indictment of the US. Like, this article is meant to be an indictment of the fact that the FBI was actually considering it. Yeah. And as part of that, they've delved into speaking to Israeli officials, speaking to people who were in the know about who, were, who this stuff was being sold to and how it was being done. So, you know, this isn't a targeted at India at all, no matter what the, uh, you know, the sort of government's mm-hmm. defenders will try and say. So this is, yeah. this is, it's important because it, it really shines a light on what's, on, on, on the way in which these, this, this, this cyber weapon mm-hmm. was being marketed. And, yeah. you know, India is just one of the countries where this is there. Now you spoke about like the, uh, the reaction from the BJP as well and the BJP leaders uh, regarding it being, or just, just the bhakts also just, it being a Supari media report on, I also saw this uh, BJP spokesperson on NDTV, on NDTV who said, who questioned the NYT on the timing of the release of this report just before the elections. And it's a bit comical why, and why, why someone like the New York times would be invested in uh, releasing a report. Uh, before yeah, and, I think, so, and, and the thing is, you know, it's, it's, these guys are so, it's such a dumb response to make because of how the fact that the NYT, yeah. sta- the target of the NYT story is the FBI. It's yeah. not the Indian government. They are not trying to, they're not yeah. going after India saying, oh, you guys did this. Their target is the fact yeah. that the FBI actually also were willing to take, you know, to consider mm-hmm. using it in the US, you know, which yeah. despite the rules which came into play against domestic surveillance, 
this kind of domestic uh, mass surveillance after the whole Snowden fiasco. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, what, I mean, the thing is, honestly, like, I wonder how these people really think strategically think this through. Like, instead of being able to say, look, uh, I mean, the simplest response from them should actually be, you know what, the government has not denied purchase or use of Pegasus before, nor have they confirmed it. Mm-hmm. NYT can report what they want. These deals are there. That's it. There is no yep. further comment to be made. Use the same line which the Solicitor General took in court. I mean, one may agree with it or disagree with it, but it's a line which clearly said talking about the confirmation or denial of these issues is a risk to India's strategic interests. We can't get this. There's no reason to get into it. End of story. Mm-hmm. But this kind of stuff to try and say that the NYT is trying to target your state elections and your session in parliament. Yeah. I mean, given that, especially given that this isn't even an article which is focused on India. It's just, I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. But we also saw the opposition, of course, uh, lashing out on the center with like statements coming in from Rahul Gandhi, stating that the government has committed treason. And also, we got some snide comments and remarks coming from uh, like veteran Congress leader P.J. Damram, who in a tweet uh, urged the Prime Minister to ask Israel for an advanced version of the spyware. Uh, now, what also caught my attention was the action uh, taken by the Congress's Lok Sabha floor leader, Adit Adir Ranjan Chaudhary, who is now seeking a privileged motion to be initiated against the Minister of Information and Technology for deliberately misleading the House on the Pegasus issue. So my question is, what are the repercussions for misleading the House? Like, how serious is this kind of a motion? I mean, I think you see, these things don't really, I mean, it doesn't mean that there'll be, uh, it's, it's just about trying to get it on the record that there has been this kind of thing, right? These things mm-hmm. used to have, I think, a lot more symbolic value <clears throat> when Parliament was an actual functioning institution, <laughs> yeah. you know, or in a country which where, where this kind of thing made a big deal. Nowadays, given the polarization, I mean, even if there were a successful privilege motion, which had, you know, parliamentarians censoring them and all that, that, that you know, wouldn't make any difference. Uh, practically mm. speaking, in any case, it doesn't really have um, sort of genuine sort of impact on things. I mean, in, in the days when, you know, if you look at the way, the way these kind of things came up from, you know, sort of the, the English parliament and how those ideas, these ideas of these kind of motions work there, it used to be actually meant to be a thing where if, where the, the, the sheer sort of embarrassment of it all would, was supposed to make a, uh, would, would, would encourage a prime minister to resign or, you know, a cabinet to, you know, reshuffle and all, but like, I mean, that mm-hmm. really doesn't happen anymore. Um, but actually, I have a slight objection to this, I think, because I think, you know, the government actually has been very clear. They never did actually mislead the house. I mean, we've been actually grumbling over the fact that the government never gave a straight answer, but the government for themselves has avoided legal <laughs> liability for lying or uh, you know, uh, or any violation of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of a privilege notice kind of thing, because they actually have consistently refused to answer this question properly. They've never said we didn't buy Pegasus. They've, yeah. every time when they made an official statement in parliament, they've said, we have not conducted unauthorized interception of communications. Hmm. Now this, so therefore, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, even in a world where this privilege motion might work, they, they actually haven't, uh, there is, they haven't misled the house. They've been clear. Though, I mean, that's a slightly separate issue because, I mean, and this is something which I'm assuming we're going to come to because uh, the usage of something like Pegasus, now they are, their get out of jail card essentially by the wording of their statements has been no unauthorized interception. So according to them, even if we'd used it, it's been done in an authorized manner. So therefore, mm-hmm. you know, we've not lied to you. That's what the government's, that's, that's the subtext behind the way the government has framed it is that they're like, we're not going to tell you. 
Uh, and even if it's proved that it was used, it was used in an authorized manner. Uh, so you know what? Like, I mean, you have no that. There's no point to, to all of this, and and which is why you know, I, I mean, I, I I actually think that the, the you know the Ranjit Chaudhary is wrong to claim that there's a misreading of the house. Uh, mm-hmm. They neither misled the house, they neither misled the Supreme Court because they just refused to answer the question, uh, and they always gave this very obfuscatory answer. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I mean, it is. I mean, if we're trying to go to a world where are they being accurate or not? Um, they perhaps, I mean, they think they're being very clever, but in a sense, they're perhaps not being because this comes back to the nature of Pegasus as a software. Now, Vakasha, we have this NYT report which says that the Indian government has purchased the Pegasus Wi-Fi from the Israeli government in 2017. We also have this Indian Express report which was published earlier today, which has quoted uh, a few cybersecurity experts who were deposed in front of the SC panel who said they have found this malware or different versions of it on several phones of the targeted people. We have this mounting evidence now growing about this probable use of this spyware. My question is, to what extent can the center deny its purchase or use now? Like, what kind of evidence will be required for it to justify legally that center has used this spyware or has purchased this spyware? The government can still, even even if the technical committee proves that Pegasus was used on these phones, the government mm-hmm. can still just not confirm or deny whether it was them who did it. And the tricky thing is going to be, is does the committee have a way of being able to show that it was the government which used this? Now, one of the what the NYT report I think was interesting on this was, is that it includes a mention of how in the lawsuit brought against NSO, mm-hmm. it mentions, uh, I think I'm not sure whether it was the WhatsApp one or the Apple one, it mentions that... Uh, it was used, there is one example of its usage being confirmed in the US because one of the key things was Pegasus was not supposed to be usable at all against US numbers. But the lawsuit mentions it was used against one. What the NYT article reports is that that was actually in fact the FBI's test to see Mm. whether it worked or not. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, I think they were able to to show the exact sort of location from where it was accessed. Or where the the or, you know where some where this this was used. So for instance, now if you're able to, if the technical committee is able to get something which shows that um, a request for the use of Pegasus or or a view of this Pegasus information which was uh, taken off someone's phone was accessed from literally say within the MHA office, mm-hmm. then you know maybe they, there's a way of kind of trying to take that. But I'm I'm not sure if that is something which yeah. will be uh, which can be done. If that were done, then yes, you could. Then then the government's in a position where they can no longer deny or even refuse to accept mm-hmm. that they used it. But unless yeah. and until that's something the technical committee can do. As far as I'm aware, the technical committee will only be able to find with detailed forensic examination that Pegasus was used. After that, you then have to go into the weeds of it, of either getting someone, you know, of, of how it can't be sold to anyone but a government organization. Then you, know, you have to go to that separate issue there. Mm. And I think there, you know, I mean, as I said, the best case scenario is where you try to get someone from the NSO or from the Israeli Defense Ministry also could, but, you know, they're obviously mm-hmm. not going to because that would threaten diplomatic relations. But those are the kind okay. of things you have to do. So, I mean, uh, I, 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 at best, uh, the, 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 the tech committee will be able to um, get a confirmation that it was used, but will they be able to show who used it? As far as I'm aware, from what I've read of, of what can be done, I'm not sure that's possible. But right. maybe this, the NYT story from what they pointed out here about the way it was, about how that US thing was from the FBI, maybe there's a possibility of locating it. But I don't think so at this point. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Vakasha, for uh, helping us understand this NYT report 
and the significance of it as well. And for our listeners, that's the end of the episode. At The Big Story, we have done several episodes on the Pegasus Spyware issue, and you can find a link to these episodes just to catch up on the issue in our show notes. And thank you so much for listening. Eddie. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website. And for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint website and check out our other podcasts. 